welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Amy and Marla and Dennis and Craig. Glad you guys are all here today. Before we get started, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to Trish. Trish is the uh, wife of Matt, who recently passed from cancer that used to come to our meeting. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Trish. Matt always had some good insight. and We, we enjoyed it when he was able to, to meet with us. So y'all remember Trish in your prayers. Thank you. We will be talking about the flight of Lin Yu. This is a interpretation by Thomas Merton of Chauncey's writings. And Chauncey was a student of Lao Tzu, who wrote, who's contributed with writing the Tao Te Ching. So that's kind of the lineage there. Uh, Marla, you want to read our story? that we have today? The flight of Lin Hui. Lin, Lin Hui of Kia took to flight. Pursued by enemies, he threw away the precious jade, symbol of his rank. He threw away the precious jade, symbol of his rank, and took his infant child on his back. Why did he take the child and leave the jade, which was worth a small fortune? Whereas the child, if sold, would only bring him a paltry sum. Lin Hui said, my bond with the jade symbol and with my office was the bond of self-interest. My bond with the child was a bond of doubt. Where self-interest is the bond, the friendship is dissolved when calamity comes. Where Tao is the bond, friendship is made perfect by calamity. The friendship of wise men is tasteless as water. The friendship of fools is sweet as wine, but the tastelessness of the wise brings true affection and the savor of fool's company ends in hatred. Thank you, Marla. Marla, any, any thoughts on this story? I did not have, I don't have a lot with this story. Um, any any thoughts before we begin? I just I feel a little bit like he was led by instinct rather than greed, obviously. But you know, as a a parent, and obviously being a parent was part of this verse. Your first instinct is to save your children. You would think to be, I think, as a good parent. Um, you know, my mom can have you. What? I said, no. I said, you've not met my kids yet, have you? No. No, but yeah. <laughs> I would we take the jade. Our, our... I would take the jade every time. You should tell your kid that. Anyways, money is not valuable like a life is, like a human life is, you know. Dennis, you have something? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would have gone with a bag of popcorn instead of my kids. Um, 
No, I, it was actually pretty much, it went over my head most of this, I have to admit. Um, I, uh, of course, I understand that, that, that when Marla said it, it seems like there would be the first instinct to take your child, of course, instead of, instead of a, a, a worthy rock. But, um, but I have to admit, I don't get the essence of this, this reading. I'm not there yet, so, uh, so I'm, I'm going to listen, guys. I'm thinking on this story. Um, well, he starts out with that he's leaving and he's having to take flight. He's being pursued. And he threw, and it says the jade was a symbol of his rank. So it was very, it was more than just, uh, had more value to it than just wealth. It had position. It had all these things. So it probably was the most valuable thing he had. And he said that uh, he took his infant child instead of his rank and instead of what was most valuable to him. Well, he says it's worth a small fortune. Um, you know, he could have more kids, but could he, he couldn't get back. Well, think about it, though. Well, I know that's awful, but, but when you think about it, and it even said how much the kid was worth, like what he could sell the child for. So he truly did love the child. So uh, my bond with the Jade symbol and with my office was the bond of self-interest. Mm -hmm. My bond with the child was the bond of doubt. Mm -hmm. That's his reasoning. Mm -hmm. And so this is a, I think this story is showing us the difference between what we see as valuable and what is really valuable. Mm. What we, you know, the material versus the spiritual and the things that, that, that really, um, this bond with the Tao, things that uh, cultivate spirituality and cultivate love in our life are the things that are really of value. And that's what he's mm -hmm. seeing. Uh, Lynn, you actually saw this. So, um, and then he goes on to talk about where self-interest is the bond, the jade, in other words. When calamity, uh, where self-interest is the bond, the friendship is dissolved when calamity comes. So, so when there's issue, if you're all about yourself, then any friendship that you have or any 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 other kind of true bonds or you know like the bond with a dial for example any of those things uh they're just going to go away when if you're really about yourself and it's all self-interest um uh, where dial is the bond friendship is made perfect by calamity because back to that idea that through our difficulties, we're refined and our friendships and all of our interactions are refined. They're not destroyed. And we help each other. Yeah. So a person who is self-interested, mm -hmm. who's only self-interested, is not going to have too many friends. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what I really picked up on was in this last stanza, Dennis. This was where I really think the value, for me, the value in this was. The friendship of wise men 
is tasteless as water. The friendship of fools is sweet as wine. But the tastelessness of the of the wise brings true affection, and the savor of fools' company ends in hatred. So yeah. it, it's that idea <laughs> that the things of value are not very attractive. Mm. Things that uh, that really bring about the peace and joy in our life are not the flashy, not, you know, the things that we would think we would want. Mm. And you think about meditation, Dennis. Yes. Okay. All you're doing is just sitting and listening. For anyone that has never meditated or experienced the benefit power in that, in, in enjoying and observing that kind of emptiness, why would you meditate? What, what good is that doing for you to sit and do nothing? <laughs> oh, I need to sit and do nothing. That's what I need. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That's, so I can actually see when, when you say it like that, it, it's kind of like um, a misconception of friendships. It's you are, it's it, it is that. And then when you say, I, I like the... Uh, and the savior of fool's company ends in hatred. That means when you, and again, like Mala says, if you're selfish, you always, it will always end in, in hatredness. Uh, you always uh, end sword with hatred. I get it. Because it's like sweet wine. You know, it's something pleasant to taste. Mm. And, and the friendship of a wise man is tasteless, like water. Mm. It goes back. Water's a great analogy of this, where, you know, water does so much good in our life. Uh, it's the most, really, it, it's the most, as far as our health goes, uh, the most beneficial thing we can drink, but it has zero taste. Mm. <laughs> That's a good one. Mm. I saw that part, um, the friendship of wise men is tasteless as water. I saw it being more of a true friendship. No expectations, no... Um, no pretentiousness. I don't know if any of you guys have got the, the friend that you can phone up like three weeks after you've spoke to him, and you, this, the conversation basically flows from where from where it left off. Um, yeah, there's, there's very little. There's very little um, one-upmanship. You know, you're not trying to get one up another person. Whereas I think the other one, the friendship of fools. Um, I I think that's more the opposite. You know, Craig, also another thing with this is how the most spiritual, what I am finding, the thing that is the most beneficial to me spiritually is, is usually the most ordinary. Yeah. It's not the most flashy. Have you seen that Marla? Is that what you, Yeah. The the older I get, the more I'm understanding that a boring life is really the really the way I want to go. I, I want to be bored, um, and the, like it, it, everything just smooth, and I don't have anything to stress about or be anxious about. It's boring is better. And you know, David Hawkins in the Letting Go, the Pathway to Surrender, he was talking about with his enlightenment that 
he, he had an enlightenment experience and after and he walked in that a little and he saw a homeless man in in uh, New York. And one of the homeless men is he, he saw, he said he resonated with this man as being enlightened. And not that all homeless people are enlightened, but the guy, but he read this guy resonated with him that he'd given up on, you know, all the things that we think are so important and so valuable. And um, he saw this particular homeless guy as being very enlightened. And I thought that was really interesting in light of this, that who would, you know, and he, he saw the homeless man as someone who had something he wanted and something he had. So I thought that was interesting how sometimes the most, you know, this spirituality that we're looking for is sometimes more ordinary than we want to be <laughs> or more plain and simple and more simple. You know, yeah. Yes. Life should, should get simpler for us, not more complicated. Hmm. But I also want to minimize all the stuff going on, you know, with the committee members. Yeah. So that's the, hence the meditation, but um, I want to simplify their voices, mm-hmm. minimize and simplify. That's what I think I'm, that's what I'm working towards. I thought of a couple of Tao verses that would, I think, apply here. One is the 12th. Colors blind the eye, sounds deafen the ear, flavors numb the taste, thoughts weaken the mind, desires wither the heart. The master observes the world, but trusts his inner vision. He allows things to come and go. His heart is open as the sky. That's um, Stephen Mitchell's translation. I'll put that in the chat. How do you see that relating to this verse? The idea, uh, okay, yeah, we'll look at that one in a minute, Craig, 60 seconds. Just the idea of all the colors and the sounds and the flavors, all the, the ways that we, think that in all of this external that we're going to find what we're looking for when it's really in the ordinary and the tasteless that that's that's what i was seeing in that it says the master trusts his inner vision so he's not trusting in all those things he observes it sees it but he doesn't trust in it he allows things to come and go his heart's open as the sky so his heart's open instead of him being taken away by all the colors and the sounds and the flavors. Because if we have too much of that, too many colors, it blinds us. Too much sound and we're deafened. Too many flavors and it numbs our ability to taste. So it's that idea that less is better. The simplicity you were talking about, Marla. Hey, buddy. Yes, sir. It reminds me of... uh, a passage I read by an author a few years ago, uh, whose name is William Martin, who said, make the ordinary come alive. Do not ask your children to strive for extraordinary lives. Such striving may seem admirable, but it is a way of foolishness. Help them instead to find the wonder and the marvel of an ordinary life. Show them the joy of tasting tomatoes, apples, and pears. 
Show them how to cry when pets and people die. Show them the infinite pleasure in the touch of a hand and make the ordinary come alive for them. The extraordinary will take care of itself. That's good. Thank you, God. Mm, that's really sweet. I love it. Wish I would have read that when I had my kids growing up, but it's good. <laughs> you can enjoy it now, you know. Exactly. You can tell always. your kids how to raise their kids. Always grandkids. Exactly. Yeah, just just you know, that's always better anyway. I also saw the 14th <laughs> as applying to the this applying there. Look and it can't be seen. Listen and it can't be heard. Reach and it can't be grasped. Above it isn't bright. Below it isn't dark. Seamless, unnameable. It returns to the realm of nothing. Form that includes all forms. Image without an image. Subtle beyond all conception. Approach it and there's no beginning. Follow it and there's no end. You can't know it, but you can be it at ease in your own life mm-hmm. just realize where you come from this is the essence of wisdom hmm. you can't know it but you can be it at ease in your own life yeah i see i see how that that idea of tastelessness is the thing that we need the most is the thing that has no taste <laughs> you know that, that's that's very interesting. You're right. <laughs> the thing we need the most. Paradox, really. No taste. It's the paradox uh, that we find in all real truth. All real truth is paradoxical. It seems to be. I haven't found an exception yet. And if you guys do, let me know. But uh... no. no, but it is also because, like I said, you can be the truth, but you can't comprehend the truth. Uh, it is it is it is without form. And when it's without form, you can't put thoughts on it. Uh, it it's, it's, it's not an intellect uh, grasp. It's Zen, right? Dennis. It's mm-hmm. Zen because Zen is learning to live from a heart knowledge rather than mm-hmm. a head knowledge. Mm-hmm. I look at it that way. It's, it's to, to start to live from being instead of the intellectual side. In this one, it would be from being instead of knowing, you know, is is. If you comment in line with the 14th uh, verse here, because it says you can't know it, but you can be it. I mean, how many times have you just known the right thing to do? I mean, just naturally without having to think about, you know, that's I think that's what it's talking about is learning how to live in that ability just to just to know what the next thing is instead of having to intellectually arrive at a decision. Yes, yes. I have. But as an alcoholic, I have also seen that the other the other way where it's the complete wrong of what it really should have been. <laughs> but 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 I yes, that's true. I get it. I think that's the whole point, because from the outside looking at this story, he should throw the kid away and keep the jade, you know. Really, that's what they're saying. Why in the world would he do that? And then it went to explain why that was the right decision to do. That was the decision in line with the Tao, in line with love, this force that holds us all together. And the bond. Yes. The bond with his child. Does, does, that, does that come into it? 
maybe it's the bond with love itself, Marla, which includes the child, because that would be the bond with the Tao. Okay. And it would include the child. Because he didn't just yeah. do it. I don't think he just did it because he loved the child, because it doesn't say he envied, you know, he didn't resent the child because he had to throw away his, his jade, you know. He understood what was really valuable. You know, he knew what was really valuable. He knew the jade was, you know, someone on the outside would see the jade as being the valuable thing. But he knew what was really valuable. I think there's two different types of love involved there, though, wasn't there? There'd be the unconditional love that you have for kids. And you have the conditional love that you have for the material things. You know, he he realized that that when he was on the side of the Tao, well, what's the I'm I'm thinking uh the, the Tao does not take sides, but it's always on the side of the one who loves. Mm-hmm. Like the Tao doesn't take sides, but you're on the Tao side when you love. You know, that that kind of idea that uh that this that many times the choice we have to make is between self-interest and love, really love of someone else, putting someone else's interest above our own. There, there must be something about that, isn't that every religion kind of points towards that and all the teachers, uh, both Jesus and Buddha, and then there was, it's, 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 it's the love and compassion. And, and if, don't you remember, buddy, when you said that if you take God out of the, the steps and put in love instead, it's the same outcome you're getting if, if you're doing that. And I was stunned when I heard that. That's pretty good. It's, that's kind of the... Uh, I really like the analogy of the finger pointing at the moon because we get hung up on the finger when we're really supposed to be looking at the moon. <laughs> the finger's not important. It's the moon that's important. You know, it's not the steps that's the important thing. It's the love that we learn to experience from the steps. So, so it's that idea that all these religious ideas, including the Tao, is just the finger. It's pointing us toward the real truth, which is beyond the words. Yeah. And my my interpretation is always the Tao is God. Yeah. I just kind of interchange the words. Once I stopped looking is when I found it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's the basis of the Tao. Stop looking. It's it's just a path of love, Marla. It's what I have found. You know, it's a, Someone asked me the other day, so what do you what do you think is going to happen when we die? You know, all these I said, you know, all those questions people ask. I said, I have no clue. I said, I just know that when I choose to love you instead of manipulate you, that my life is better. And I'm just going to keep doing that in more mm. moments of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and so the conversation was over. You know, there was no debate. Yeah. So uh, that's just how it's the simplicity that you were talking about. It just gets more and more simple. It really does. It does. Which which one did you say, Craig? 60 second? You want to read it? Doubt is the source of 10,000 things. It's the treasure of the good man and the refuge of the bad. Sweet words can buy honor. Good deeds can gain respect. If a man is bad, do not abandon him. Therefore, on the day the emperor is crowned or the three officers of state installed, do not send gifts of jade and a team of four horses, but remain still and off the dough. 
why does everyone like the Tao so much at first? Isn't it because you find what you seek and are forgiven when you sin? Therefore, this is the greatest treasure of the universe. So what it was talking about with the emperor and the ministers being installed, we were talking about this meeting this afternoon, it's the, one of the highest ceremonies was the uh, installing a new emperor and his three ministers, and they would always shower them with jade and horses because obviously rank was um, based on you know, how many horses and that sort of thing that you owned. Um, I think what this verse was saying, like, don't shower people with gifts and worthless things. Let's let's... Let's show them with the Tao. Let's show them with the, the, the spiritual gains that they can have from being in these positions of, of, of ultimate and supreme power over the people. Show them the right way to do things and not, not look at the, the materialistic things that they can gain and benefit from from being in those positions. So that's, I relate that to this Chongsu one as well. Abandon the jade and keep the people. Mm. Hey Craig, it says one another translation. I think this is McDonald. I tell you, is it McDonald? Yeah, not you, but another. I was, I was, I was going to say it must be. It must be good then. It must be true. Everybody knows McDonald. Why was the Tao esteemed by the ancient masters? Is it not said, "With it we find without looking; with it we find forgiveness for our transgressions." Yeah. That is why the world cannot understand it. Hmm. Yeah. But hey, you'll like this one, Todd. This reminds me of my Christian days. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Stephen Mitchell said, uh, why did the ancient masters esteem the Tao? Because being one with the Tao, when you seek, you find. Hmm. And when you make a mistake, you're forgiven. That's why everybody loves it. Mm. Yeah. That seeking and finding business. Yep. Yeah, I also like the end where he says, where now is the bond, friendship is made perfect by calamity. I think about the best friendships I have. There was some something there, right? There was something that happened, some sort of uh difficulties some sort of life experience on either side or both that we went through together that makes those bonds better than those that you just meet and everything's all fluffy all the time i think it's the same thing in business i always tell a lot of my clients too one of the worst things that could ever happen to a business is to have early success right it's when you go through those trials and those tribulations you really figure out what it's all about and i think what that's talking about has absolutely been the case in my life with friendships I've always found out what my business partners were like when we had difficult times. Mm -hmm. And many times <laughs> I found out things. I'm glad I found out early rather than late. Yeah. Hmm. Good stuff. Anything else, guys? Well, I was just sitting thinking with the, with the whole calamity and, and the friendships after the calamity. Um, could you could you also say that that was after you kind of crashed and burned and you find the friendship in, in recovery? Is that kind of the same thing after the calamity? Then you really see what, what true friendship is there. Could that be, could you relate that to that? Or am I out of the sideline here? No, no, not at all. Go ahead, Marla. No, yeah, when I was reading this, I was thinking about all the people I used to party with. 
And it was so sweet, you know, because they had what I wanted and I could get stuff, you know, it's like, all right, you know, I was getting something from them. Um, till that, you know, till that stopped working. Mm. Um, so those were my sweet friendships. The ones, the one that has lasted is the one I've had since junior high. And we, we have that kind of friendship where we can not speak for a year, but then talk like we were speaking yesterday because there's no expectations anymore, mm-hmm. you know, or no expectations of each other. And so we can just be who we are. Oh, that's good. Good stuff. That's good. Amy, you got any comments on this? Hey, um, I, I was uh, doing my best listening um, to everything. And what I was really thinking about more was the whole love thing and, and the child thing and um, and the water thing and tasteless. And, um, you know, so much of the shiny things, you know, the, the, the desire for the good feelings came from, and relating this back to recovery. And it's like a lot of jumbled thoughts. So just try to play along. Um, You know, I, I was in such search of that, that thing that was going to satisfy me that, that make, you know, that thing that was going to make me feel better, the, the, the drink or the drug or the any anything that could the make formula the magic formula yes absolutely the magic formula thank you whatever it was right I was in such I was in search of that and that's that's probably what kept me active in my disease like that sense of ease and comfort that comes at once right mm-hmm. and then um and then I heard Marla say something about I just want to be bored or or I want boring and my husband used to say to me before, um, before recovery, he, he was just like, I just want normal. And I'm like, I, I just don't think that's possible for me. Right. Like I thrive on chaos and drama. And I think that's just the hand of cards that was dealt me. And I think that's just my lot in life. And, you know, I would just say all this stuff. And now I get what he means by that. Right. Those nights that promises we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. So, so boring may be the word that some people can recognize, but that's peace for me. Right. And then the whole water thing and it being tasteless and, you know, but how, how much it quenches my thirst, but it might not have like a flavor, but man, does fresh water, cool water when you're hot and sweaty or parched, man, does it taste good. Right. So it might be flavorless, but it sure does taste good. And so all of that, and yeah, I was thinking a lot, right? You didn't know who you were asking. So then the whole love of the child thing, right? Um, my daughter is, is I have a, a stepdaughter who has a, um, a son who's two. And I, I know how much I love him, my step grandson, right? But, and, and I know how much I love my children. And I know how much I love my recovery. And I know how much I love my sponsor and my sponsees and, and everybody that I've met through, through all of these, these um, avenues. But that grandson who has not even been born yet. Wow. You know, something so simple, but so deep and connective as the love of a child, of a grandchild, something so innocent you know, and, and is that, 
the innocence and the peace and the calm and the the lack of chaos and drama, is that really what I've been seeking the whole time? And I just didn't know it. It took me becoming a crazy alcoholic tornado roaring through the lives of others to get here, to appreciate here, to appreciate that cool drink of water that has no flavor, but is so tastes so good, you know, to enjoy the, the love that just comes from an innocent child being born. So, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts about all this. Good. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Hey, how about this idea? I just noticed something I hadn't noticed before. It says when calamity comes, not if calamity comes, when. So whatever in life that we're evaluating, it's like, Rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? Same deal. So when calamity comes, calamity can always show us what we're made of, what our what our relationships are made of, what how we're approaching anything, whether we're approaching it from a place of jade or a place of love, you know, a place of self-interest or a place of self-sacrifice. Mm. You know, we can always see that difference when calamity comes. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. It's when, not if. Mm-hmm. And it always is when. Mm-hmm. That's life. We're never going to escape, you know, having difficulty. That's just part of life. You know, the whole point with this deal, I think, is not that we get to some point that we're some spiritual giant where we never have anything difficult happen. So we get to the point to where it doesn't matter if it's difficult or not. That's where the peace is. It's in the acceptance, not in the circumstances all being the way you want them to be. We've all found that out. Yeah, that's good. Todd, we're happy you could join us today, sir. I'm happy to be here as well. Good to see all of you guys. Glad you're getting to start to join us some. I know you have to leave out early a lot, but. I'm glad, glad to see you. Likewise. The title of this reading today, The Flight of Lin Hui, um, took me back to page 55, said, yet we had been seeing another kind of flight, a spiritual liberation from this world, people who rose above their problems. They said God made these things possible or the Tao, and we only smiled. We had seen spiritual release, but like to tell ourselves it wasn't true actually we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man woman and child is the fundamental idea of god it may be obscured by calamity by pomp by worship of other things but in some form or other it is there for faith and a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself so i knew there was something else that it reminded me of that's amazing, Amy. You just your your brain is just that you're such a hard worker with the big book. So your brain, oh wait a minute, page fifty-five, second paragraph. Here we go. <laughs> Amy, you always amaze me when you come up with this stuff. Yeah, uh, it's not me. It's good. It's definitely not me, but thank you. <laughs> Listen to this one. My Zen Buddhist friends have a problem with the God business. This is one they can't get around. This is going to be in our study this week. This is opening the hand of thought, Kosho. Uchiyama, when we open the hand of thought, letting go, the original self is already there. The original self is what he's calling God. 
It's not some special mystical state. Don't seek it somewhere else. When we open the hand of thought, what is there in that moment is our original face. We realize that the force that animates our lives and the force that moves the wind are the very same force. Our lives and the force that moves the wind are the same. Our breath and the wind blowing are one. It's the universal self is what he calls it. So no matter what name you put on it, we're, it's all the same. You know, it's all the same. And the Tao is just a path. Good. Thank you, guys. Anything else? Well, guys, if that's it, y'all have a great week and we'll see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery. 